Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thursday afternoon with you, the 5th of January. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thank you for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can find out more about everything that Pearl River Resort has to offer on their website. It is pearlriverresort.com. You can join us on the Ceasefire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do. And that's right here in Ceasefire country. Check them out, ceasefire.com slash business. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Thank you for being with us this afternoon. Guys, since Monday night, the story that has dominated the sports world has been the health of DeMar Hamlin. He is, of course, the Buffalo Bills safety who was injured uh, and had CPR administered to him, life-saving services administered to him on the field on Monday night in the first quarter of the game between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. And everyone has been waiting for an update on the health of DeMar Hamlin with many prayers, lots of people doing whatever they think they can, charitably or otherwise, to try to do something to to show that they are thinking about DeMar Hamlin. And this morning, we got an update on the health of DeMar Hamlin from uh, a couple of doctors at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. I want to play that for you in case you've not heard it, either on radio or on television throughout the course of the day. Uh, Timothy Pritz is one of the doctors. I'm not sure of the other doctor's name. They're two different. Wow, Dr. William Knight is the uh, is the other. So here, uh, about a minute and a half of what the uh, doctors at UC Medical Center in Cincinnati said about DeMar Ham- Hamlin this morning. Chair, that there has been substantial improvement in his condition over the past 24 hours. Uh, we had significant concern um, about him after the injury and after the event that happened on the field, uh, but he is making substantial progress. Uh, as of this morning, uh, he is beginning uh, to awaken, uh, and it appears that his neurological uh, condition and function is intact. 
Uh, we were very pr- uh, proud to report that. Very happy for him uh, and for his family and for the Buffalo Bills organization uh, that he is making improvement. Uh, he continues to be critically ill uh, and continues to, to undergo intensive care uh, in our surgical and trauma ICU. Uh, he's being uh, cared for by uh, ICU uh, neurosurgery, I'm, I'm sorry, neurocritical care teams, uh, trauma surgery, uh, and a cardiology team, as well as our expert nurses uh, and respiratory uh, therapists. Uh, they are attending to him, and he still has uh, significant progress that he needs to make, uh, but this remark, uh, this marks a really a good turning point uh, in his ongoing care. It's been uh, a long and difficult road for the last three days. Um, he has been uh, very sick and, and has made a, a fairly remarkable recovery and improvement to the point, as, as Tim noted, um, he, he is now uh, demonstrating that sign of, of good neurologic recovery as well as overall clinical improvement, as, as has been previously reported related to not just his vital signs but a lot of his other uh, individual organ recovery. So that was the news from doctors at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center earlier. You may have heard this part of the story by now. Uh, Hamlet is able to move his hands and his feet. He is unable to speak, but he was able to communicate in writing, according to one of the doctors, including writing and asking whether the Buffalo Bills won the game on Monday night against Cincinnati and the answer that Dr. Pritz gave him was, the answer is yes, DeMar, you won the game of life. So certainly an encouraging update uh, about DeMar P- Hamlin as, uh, as something that people have been waiting for for like, what, 72 hours now, give or take, and uh, clearly a long way to go. Um, but progress is just such a welcome piece of news. Oh, yeah, man. I, I watched the entire press conference, and uh, do- doctors are different than us. They-, they are just so much more measured and smarter than we are. It's not, I mean, l- listening to those two guys, normal looking dudes answer questions sounds so different than like a football coach or or a, a politician or whatever. It's, it's very different. But uh, hearing the anecdotes about when. Uh, I guess it was his uncle, or maybe his his dad or his uncle. Somebody from his family zoomed yeah, his into uncle. a team meeting with the Bills and hearing about the relief. Like a 100-pound weight was just taken off of their chest knowing, you know, we're sitting here trying to prepare. None of us can focus. Our boy's good. Our gun, hopefully going to be good. He's better. He's better. He's communicating. First question he asks is if we won, which just cracks me up. I mean... Not caring about himself, or how did I get here, or what's going on? Am I going to be okay? It's did I did we win after I got carted off the field where I, I lost a heartbeat for a period of time, and he's just built different. But um, really cool. I, I've been thinking about it a lot. I'm not connected to him whatsoever. Barely knew that he was a player before the injury and heard the name, was familiar with the Bills and have seen him play a lot because I watch a lot of football, but it's not like I knew the nuances of, of him and his life. Very lucky to have learned that over the last couple of days. But it's been weighing on me, and I am thousands of miles and completely emotionally removed from the situation. I can't imagine how his teammates and family feel right now. Yeah, I mean, what what a relief it must be. Doctors say that his neurological condition and function 
is intact. He's got a long way to go, but this is a turning point. And they also made mention of the training staff and the medical professionals that were on the field and the way they handled the situation, and they called it textbook and said that it could not have gone any better. And yeah, Borky said something that, uh, that kind of, I don't know, popped my antenna there just for uh, for a second, and it's a reminder that certainly in the NFL, because players come from all over the country, but even with the teams that we follow closely here in the state of Mississippi, Ole Miss if you're an Ole Miss fan, Mississippi State if you're a state fan, Southern Miss if you're a Golden Eagles fan, sometimes we don't know the stories, the real stories behind these guys. We don't know who they are beyond a jersey and a number and a helmet on top of their shoulders. Hey, absolutely right. I mean, I think about, like, with the NFL, I don't watch it as much as I used to. I used to, like, really know those guys, back when I was playing fantasy football especially, you know, because you just have to know those players. And now, I mean, I'm, I'm with Borky. I couldn't have picked this guy out of a lineup of two, you know, prior prior to this, this accident. So you find out, A, that there are a lot of these these great stories, these these guys who are doing a lot in their communities and things like that that you just don't know about. And I wish I did know more. But B, and more importantly here, is that you know, and I, I kind of felt like this was coming. This, this is a guy who's he's in great shape. I felt like it was a bad accident, bad situation, but I felt like he was going to come out of it the whole time. I was just optimistic about it, and it feels like it's going to be that way. So hopefully uh, you know, in the next couple of days we'll actually be able to hear from him and uh, be able to go forward with that. With regard to the question about did we win, doctors saw that as a positive sign because it says not only the lights are on, but he's home. Using a term that, that makes a lot of sense to us, yeah. here, here's more of that medical terminology, though, Borky, that you were talking about a second ago that reminds us that there are people that are far smarter than we are in the world. Dr. Knight said when we talk about neurologically intact, it's a very gross term of big motor movements and following commands. <laughs> When we talk about the finer things that make us human, cognition, emotion, speech, language, etc., we're looking forward to learning more about that soon. And for Hamlin to be upgraded from critical condition to stable condition, he will need to be taking off of a breathing tube and show improved neurological and breathing functions. They would like then to get him home and see about potential steps for what happens in the future. And you were right, it was his father. It was his father, Mario, not his uncle, who we heard from earlier in the week, that addressed the Bills team in a Zoom call. Something that is insignificant, but, man, there are some people that have platforms and are credentialed media that, with all due respect, are stupid. One guy asked what his timetable to return to football was. And the doctor was like, we need to... Get him to be able to breathe on his own first before we start talking about playing football again. Another guy asked how detrimental the trainers on the field was to his recovery. Asked him if how detrimental it was. It's like, do you not know what that word means? Which, by the way, they said the response was textbook and that other NFL teams need to study the response, how fast it was and how it was done because it was textbook and probably is why... He's going to make a recovery. Saved, completely and totally saved his life. Yeah. And that goes back to what we said on Tuesday, right? That, you know, certainly you don't want an injury of this to occur anywhere. But outside of being inside of a hospital itself, 
An NFL football field may have been the best place for that to have happened because of the sheer volume and quality of medical attention that was there and readily available. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. the story that is dominating the conversation nationally, I think among Mississippi State fans, the conversation that is dominant right now is who is going to be the offensive coordinator as we continue on the Kendall Bryles watch, unless, hey, Dad, something has happened in the last little bit that I have not seen. I, I haven't missed anything yet, have I? Quick check of uh, Twitter. No. Okay. We uh, we need to somehow put an audio form that Judge Judy gif of yeah slapping the watch slapping the watch. Hurry up! Don't they know that our show began at three oh six and we needed I mean, good grief? You know, we, we ideally though, ideally though, we will get the answer at five oh four. Give us a minute or two to collect our thoughts, and then boom, start of the 5 o'clock hour. The college football that fix, driven by Ford, and we have got breaking news. Uh, Wait, we'll text see. Zach Arnett and say, hey, hold the news scenario. right there. Just just hang on to it for yeah. another you know, hour and 40 or 38 minutes. Yeah. What were you saying, hey, Dad? Hey, uh, that, that would be our best-case scenario. Yes, indeed it would. But we don't have an answer to that yet. And, look, this is not like big brain stuff, but I was thinking about this earlier today. And who your head coach is and what his background is fully dictates a fan base's level of excitement about a hire of a coordinator. Right? So Ole Miss fans would be really locked in and maybe really are locked in, if Lane Kiffin was searching for trying to convince someone to be a defensive coordinator. Because you know Lane Kiffin is going to dominate the offensive side of the ball. Even if he's got an offensive coordinator, he's going to be in the offensive side. Lane Kiffin is not known as a defensive guy. And therefore, who the defensive coordinator is and what he believes in and what his scheme is and what his philosophy is matters a lot. When Mike Leach was with us, if he had hired an offensive coordinator, we would have known that he was giving someone a title so that they could be paid in a certain range that would make sense. But in actuality... An offensive coordinator that would have worked under Mike Leach would have been just another offensive assistant who would have had other responsibilities. But when your head coach is a full-on defensive-minded guy, everything he has done in his career has been defensive-related. One of the reasons that he was so attracted to Mike Leach and the Mississippi State job, and maybe one of the reasons that he stayed in Starkville, was because the autonomy of the autonomy that he had in terms of running the defense. He got to do his thing. But now, 
He's the head coach. We know that Zach Arnett, while he may have influence on what the offense does, he's not calling any plays. He's not scripting anything. He's not involved with the offensive game planning piece. He is the head coach with a defensive background, and whoever he hires to be his offensive coordinator, it's his style, his philosophy, his play calling. And, hey, Dad, I know that was a lot of words to say, I think that's the reason that Mississippi State fans, to some degree, are on pins and needles wondering what this hire is going to be because it's going to dictate the future of what offensive football in Starkville at Mississippi State looks like for who knows how long. Yeah. And then you throw on top of that, it's going to be different. You know, it appears that yes. that Zach Arnett is going to go outside the, the air raid family, the air raid tree, if you will. So, yeah, that, that's that's a big part of the reason because you don't know what it's going to look like, and then you don't know, you know, what personnel you have and what personnel is going to fit what what the new coach wants to do. Are you going to have to go to the portal? What's going to be the situation? Can Will Rogers, you know, be effective? In, in whatever this new offensive scheme is going to be. There's a lot of unanswered questions that Mississippi State fans aren't going to be able to even start answering until they find out who this offensive coordinator hire is going to be. I asked the question yesterday, and we got a bunch of responses on the, the ceasefire text line in terms of, you know, is Kendall Bryles a name that would excite you? And most people said yes. There were a few, nah, not really, and we just kind of thought out loud yesterday that if that doesn't excite you, doesn't give you reason for optimism, then you're probably pretty hard to please in terms of what you expect from a football coaching staff. But, hey, Dad, I'll ask you kind of the same thing yesterday. Not does it excite you, but when you think about an offensive system, an offensive style, does Kendall Bryles' background make sense to you for Mississippi State going forward? That's an interesting question, you know, because his offensive style Thank has you. been a little different at different stops. You're welcome. Uh, because, you know, what he did at Baylor is different than what he did at Arkansas. Um, and that's, you know, that's in, 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 in seriousness, that's a good thing, right? It means that he's a coach who adapts to his personnel. Mike Leach did not adapt to his personnel. He's this is my system and this is what we're going to run and that's 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 the end of the discussion. Kendall Browles, you know, what he did at Baylor looks a lot different than what he did at Ark he's done at Arkansas with KJ Jefferson. So that that's exciting. You know, the idea that you you know you've got a quarterback like Will Rogers who so clearly you can't use him in the running game. He can't he can't be an asset to you there. But can you still be effective offensively even with that kind of situation, and you know, I think the answer is yes. You know, so that's exciting. At the end of the day, sometimes just different things are exciting. What is it? Anything? Uh, anything else is always something better. Sometimes you feel that way. And uh, you know, I like Browse. I think he's been an effective offensive coach. I, I've enjoyed watching what he's done at Arkansas. Honestly, I mean, with KJ Jefferson, I, I I didn't have a whole lot of of expectations for him ever at, at Arkansas. I, I thought that you know. Good athlete, but I didn't know if he could be an SEC quarterback. I was wrong. He's been a really good quarterback for the Arkansas Razorbacks, and, and Browse I think is a big piece of that of, of why that's happened. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited by the, the idea of Kendall Browse and Starville because of his last name. There are people Borky that are going to immediately go, oh, oh, Browse Baylor. 
Let's step past that just for a second. And let's take a more nuanced look at Kendall Bryles' background and think about the guys under whom he has worked and who the influences are on the way he calls a game and what he believes philosophically about offense. Right? So he worked under Art Bryles at Baylor in a time in which they were very, very successful offensively. First as a wide receivers coach, then as the passing game coordinator, and ultimately as the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach in 2015 and 2016. Since then, 2017, Florida Atlantic. Assistant head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback's coach, under Lane Kiffin. And then in 2019, he worked for a year, the final year, of Willie Taggart at Florida State. And for the last three seasons, he's been the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach at Arkansas. There's some pretty solid offensive influences in his background when we're talking football. Yeah, and you've seen it play out. And, you know, I was talking to somebody last night about it, and he said, you know, it's... He's an air raid guy that just runs more, and, and the, what what they do at Arkansas, at least, I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch him at FAU, and I, I didn't watch him at Florida State, but it's it's more creative than that. It's a lot more creative than that. You're not going to see the same offense that you saw, but you're just handing the football off more. And the, it, it looks different, and they use the quarterback differently. It's more creative. Um, they, they recruited use tight ends. Use, <laughs> the, the tight end position will be returning if if he's hired mm-hmm. uh, to to Starkville, and you know, I mean, you, you see it all the time. You see it with teams that are in the national championship game. Mm-hmm. What a good tight end can do to even good defenses. If you have a an athletic and big tight end that can catch the football and that's not afraid to get hit, how much that opens up offenses. It, it's not the same. There are elements, of course, but. It's more intricate, a uh, little bit more modern, more nuanced. And I, I'm the, the biggest question to me, though, is the obvious one, and it's the thing that everybody talks about the most, and it's kind of the laziest one, is quarterback. What would they do there would be the most fascinating thing. I would love to hear those conversations behind the scenes of what they envision the future of that position there is, should he be the guy. And I missed one stop along the way. 2018, Kendall Bryles was at Houston. So between being at FAU and Florida State, he also spent a year on... Um, oh, was was that before or after? Why can I not think of his name? The head coach at Houston. Uh, Dana Holgerson. Hulk, Holgerson. That before or after he got the job at... I'm trying to remember when Holgerson was hired. Yeah, uh, let's see. He started in nineteen, so no, it's not. Okay, so it was the it was the season before. Okay, so that was the last year of Major Applewhite at at the University of Houston. I've forgotten Major Applewhite was the coach there. Wow. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll continue with you after this. Communication system is a go. go. This this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly.
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the there was no tampering involved category. It is now official. Sam Hartman, regarded by many as the top transfer quarterback this <laughs> offseason, is headed to Notre Dame. Announced his decision earlier today via social media. Spent his final year of college eligibility with the Fighting Irish. Decision to pick Notre Dame had been expected since he entered the transfer portal on December 27th. What wonder I, why that was expected. Oh, I, see, I had some fun with that. So big pickup for Notre Dame. He can play. They'll be contenders next year, I think. But I, uh, I had had... A few sips of bourbon, and I decided... So, actually, when that news broke that he was hitting the portal, and and Pete Thamel said, Sam Hartman's hitting the transfer portal, Notre Dame is the expected destination. I said, wait, an ac- a fine academic institution like Notre Dame would never engage in tampering. He must have just been inspired by the movie Rudy, or something like that. And that's why he wanted to go to Notre Dame and knew where he was going. Because... Notre Dame would never tamper. That chant you're hearing coming from the Notre Dame studio section is the name of Rudy Rudiger. Spare me. Great story, but God, that movie's so cheesy. Anyway. Shut It is so cheesy. It's, if it wasn't Notre Dame, it'd be better. If, if it wasn't Notre Dame and if it wasn't like Texas, Texas would be cheesy too. But if it was like... Virginia, fine, all in. Sure, Rudy's great. But it's Notre Dame. Anyway. All right, time out real quick. Who's your favorite character in the movie, Rudy? Time in. I mean, I mean, it's not an extended Rudy. timeout. Yeah, it's it's not really a, a hard question. Maybe the uh, I forget his name, the guy that Charles Dutton plays, the 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 the, the maintenance guy, the the custodian. Yeah. Yeah, you don't get a little chill when he when he when he like looks at gives them the nod and the lock as they're coming out of the tunnel. Come on, no, it's Vince Vaughn. His name was Fortune. Oh, okay, there you go. Charles S. Dutton played the role of Fortune. It's oh, Vince Vaughn go. for you. Hey, Dan. Jamie O'Hara. No, that's yeah, no. for me. I, I mean, I mean for Borky. I'm sorry because you you forget that Vince Vaughn is in Rudy and he's the punk. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Supposed to be all American. See, I'm I'm going with D Bob, the uh, the law student friend. Nah. Yeah, he's funny. Now nah, come. You didn't I mean, like him as a character in that movie. He's so trying to go little. for a little. Bit. He's fine. Well, I mean, depth. he's the comic relief that that all these movies need. <clears throat> yeah, um, um, Morgan, I don't think you. I don't think you understand. By the way, I don't think you have a good grasp of what Notre Dame was to Catholic kids in that era. Oh, yeah. It was everything. You know, that you were Catholic and the best college football team in the country was Catholic. I mean, it meant so much for Catholic all over the country to, to be able to play at Notre Dame. 1993 is when that came out also, and Notre Dame was really good in that era. That was, what, yeah. one year after the game of the century? Wasn't it 92 when Notre Dame-Florida State no, happened in South Bend? It was 93. 93. Was it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember it very clearly. First college game day. 
Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I forgot about that. Well, the yes. first the first on-site college game day. On location, yeah. Yeah. John Favreau had, um, in that movie, too. Cast is great in that movie. You, yeah, you, he was D-Bob. That, that, that's yeah. what I was talking about. I was thinking, the, the, the law school buddy. Yeah, you, you don't realize how talented... I mean, maybe not the best actor in the world, but director. He is in on everything, man. I'm just behind the scenes, the guy is brilliant. Random movie recommendation. I think it's on Netflix. Uh, Chef. I, I don't know Chef if it. I don't know if it ever got released in theaters or whatever. I know it's on Netflix. Uh, he's in it, and Sophia Vergara. Isn't that her last name? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Honestly, it, it's a f- outstanding feel-good movie about a dad who gets a food truck with his friend, and his son travels the country with him, stopping at random places, building up a. F- it's a really good movie, but. Back to the point. I had had, uh, had had a bourbon, and a couple of Notre Dame fans found my tweet talking about how Notre Dame wouldn't dare engage in tampering because it's a fine academ- academic institution. And they were like, if you have evidence that we tampered, prove it. And so I said, well, I do have evidence that you tampered, and I already turned it into the NCAA. And they said, no, you didn't prove it. And I said, well, you know, a statement's going to be coming soon. Uh, from the NCAA, they told me that it was the most ironclad case of, of tampering that they've seen yet and that they're going to conduct an investigation. But you guys know how long they take. It might be a year or two, but uh, they thanked me uh, for providing evidence. And going back and forth, and, oh, I was laughing so hard. They believed me, man. Oh, they, a sip or two, you, you should have just been like, here's your, here's your proof, this tweet. Yeah. I'm, this tweet from Pete Thamel is my proof. He that he entered the portal and knows where he's going the same day. Oh, man. Jason Columbus says Vince Vaughn is one of the most underrated actors of all time. He goes on to say, obviously not like a Daniel Day-Lewis level actor as far as the craft goes, but the man doesn't miss. He nails every role he plays. My only counter, and I'm a big fan of his, is he plays the same guy. He's, he's he not very play deep. the same guy. And, I mean, there are bad movies that Vince Vaughn is in. I was, just look, I was, I was trying to pull up quickly his filmography to see, is there one where he's really branched out? So really that, he's been I'll, all comedy with movie the exception where he's, uh, of t- two where he played a dramatic where he's role. a stalker. The Cell and Domestic Disturbance. Domestic Disturbance is the one I'm thinking of, yeah. The Cell is a weird but cool movie. He did an HBO deal where he was um, in a crime drama series, True Detective. Oh, yeah. He season forgot he was in, yeah, right. it was That's season right. two and it was horrible. Season two, yeah. It, was, it wasn't as good, yeah. Well, because season one of True Detective uh, might was McConaughey be, and Harrelson. I mean, come yes, on. Yes, in Louisiana swamp cult type stuff. I mean, it was excellent. If you haven't, don't watch it around the kids. And and you got to have a, a pretty thick stomach. You know, you can't be squirmy. But True Detective season one, and it's a start to finish story. So you don't have to watch five seasons to see the end. It concludes is probably my favorite season of a show that I've watched. It's phenomenal. 
2004 was a busy year for Vince Vaughn. Appeared in Starsky and Hutch, Dodgeball, Anchorman, Wake Up, Ron Burgundy, The mm. Lost Movie, and Paparazzi. Starsky and Hutch is a, is a miss. That's not a good movie. Yeah. Dodgeball, great. Dodgeball's great. I think I've heard of Anchorman. Yeah, I think so. Anchorman 2? Terrible. Although they filmed... I've never seen Anchorman 2. They filmed the beach scenes on... Did you know he appeared in Doogie Howser? No. No, I didn't. I mean, I've never seen... I know what it is, but I've never seen it. He was in one episode of Doogie Howser, MD, in 1992. Well, that... Well, good for him. I uh, was maybe, maybe laughing at that point because I would have been a few months old. Yeah. So Congratulations. Never never watched Doogie Howser. It's a great show. Great show. I mean, not really, but in terms of yeah. like sitcom... Early 90s, The Kid Doctor. That's a pretty good show. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us this <laughs> afternoon. You guys see that three Alabama players have transferred to TCU? Running back Trey Sanders. Trying to win national championships. Trying to win national championships. Man, the rich well, they, get they richer, want to win right? national I... titles. Got to. Can't get, can't get you know can't get him in Alabama. Yeah. Um. Trey Sanders, running back. JoJo Earl, wide receiver, kind of return specialist as well, and an offensive lineman, Tommy Brockmeyer, also transferring from Alabama to uh, TCU. Trey Sanders will have two years of eligibility left. Could boost a TCU team that might enter twenty twenty three without its top two rushers, uh, Kendra Miller and. Imari DiMercato, who both have obviously been instrumental to TCU success this year. They're yes. portaling well. I mean, their whole portal class right now is good, and Sonny Dykes has kind of taken on that. We can't sign these players organically, so if we're going to have talent that can compete with Texas, then i got to do it this way. Yeah. It appears to work for him, anyway. They portaled well a year ago and appear to be doing so again. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be right back. What we're going to do right here is go back. Now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Supertalk Mississippi. from Bills quarterback Josh Allen on receiving the positive news this morning on DeMar Hamlin. We heard that news today, and there's nothing that could be told to us that could bring our day down. We just want to love up on him, talking about DeMar Hamlin. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad wrapping up our number one of Sports Talk Mississippi. Sean McDermott uh, just meeting 
with the media in Buffalo, kind of going into an extended timeline and breakdown of how he handled the team, messages that they got, uh, the way it worked on Monday night. I guess this is the first media opportunity to uh, to hear from both Sean, ha- uh, excuse me, Sean McDermott and Josh Allen, the head coach and quarterback, respectively, of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I'm sure that will be played on a loop uh, later this evening if you want to catch it, and uh, you can't do so right now. Guys, one thing we have not talked about, uh, we just haven't, not for any particular reason, is, in fact, the NFL announced on Tuesday afternoon, I think it was, that the game would not be resumed this week and that uh, plans for the Bills-Bengals game were to be determined. And there's another statement today, just reiterating that it won't be played this week, which we know everybody's moving toward Week 18, and that they hadn't made a decision about the game and whether or not it will be continued, but the league understands that that has to happen in the next few days. Well, yeah. What's going to happen here? They're not going to play it. It's just going to be declared a no content. I mean, is, is the only other scenario they could push the entire playoffs back a week, eliminate the open date between – Well, can't do it. No. Hold on a second. You, you could – if you eliminate the week off between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl. So you push everything back a week, you play that game because it matters so much in the AFC standings, and then the playoffs start the following week. I mean, logistically, that's really the only way you can make it make sense, right? Right, but they're not going to play the game. That's that's a huge competitive advantage to everybody else in the playoffs. They're getting an extra week there. What what they'll do is yeah. they, I, that the Bills and the Bengals don't get. So. Yeah, I've, I've read about some of the options. One of them is if they were to meet in the conference championship, it'd be at a neutral site. Indianapolis has already been proposed as that place. Uh, they'll do it something like that. Uh, that it was written that they are considering adding an extra team to not give either one a buy, and they would also do that in the NFC, which gives the Saints a shot at making the playoffs. Probably won't do that though. So um, you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, they would have to. There would have to be a four four game parlay that would all have to hit. It's like Saints win, Packers win, somebody and two other teams lose. But either way, they probably aren't going to do that anyway. It's going to be something like that. They'll determine it based on either win percentage or go neutral site. Were they to meet in the AFC Championship game? If the Bills and Bengals were to meet. Yes. They, they would play, instead of giving one home field, they would play it in Indy. You know you're going to get fine weather kind of in between the two places. I guess. Apparently the venue's available. I mean, it's only an hour and a half drive for Cincinnati to Indianapolis. Yeah. I think 112 miles I read earlier this uh, this week. But you can't do Minnesota because they might be playing. Which I guess you yeah. can play two games in one weekend, but logistically that's hard to do. Sure. On short notice anyway. I mean, bowl games do it, but that's different. They're prepared all year for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, State, I mean, State won on the, the same field that I was thinking about this. 
for some reason, this is how my brain works, that Tom Brady led an epic comeback a few hours before State took the field in their bowl game on that exact field. Well, on part of that exact field. Yeah, they ripped up the middle, didn't they? They ripped up the middle. They ripped up the end zones. And they ripped up the numbers and redid those. That's all. That's, and there weren't any, like, issues with field condition during the game, were there? Like guys slipping on seams and grass? I don't remember seeing that. Not that I recall, no. Yeah. I didn't look like it. Not near yeah. as bad as in Arizona, which I can't believe they still... I mean, you saw the field conditions for the playoff game, right? For for TCU Michigan? Guys were slipping everywhere. Bad. They had to change cleats oh, and stuff. Where, where they slide the grass out and slide it back in, and there are two different surfaces, one for the Arizona Cardinals and one for any other event that happens inside that building. Well, it's, that, apparently it's the keeping the grass indoors for like 24 hours really makes it like saturated and wet and, and hard to grip. It's a problem that Cardinals deal with, too. Hmm. Sports Talk Mississippi, one hour in the books. we got plenty more coming with you, coming up with you when we return. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my four o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Um, Sports Talk brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Visit Oxford is the uh, official tourism and welcoming organization to Oxford. Lots of stuff happening in the spring. Check out the events page on the Visit Oxford website. Again, visitoxfordms.com or follow along on their social media accounts. That's TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Visit Oxford MS. I know you guys are excited. One of the greatest golf tournaments of the year starts today on the island of Maui. The Century Tournament of Champions. I'm kidding about it being one of the greatest golf tournaments, but but the field is better this year than maybe it's ever been because they like almost tripled the purse. Instead of it being an $8 million tournament, it's a $20 million tournament. All the best players are playing in it. And when you flip on your television to watch this, you're looking at sunshine and blue skies and the ocean. Now, it's not, like, unpleasant in Mississippi right now. A lot of years it's really cold, and you turn it on, and you're like, ooh, I want to be there. It's one of my favorite golf tournaments to watch. Borky, will you tune into the Golf Channel tonight, tomorrow night, like, as you fall asleep, watch a little bit of this tournament? Not a swing. Really? 
Yeah. Huh. Not, okay. Not one swing. Uh, just something about it being January. Just When things are out of season, I can't do it. I can't do the USFL because it's April. I don't watch football in April, especially in front of 600 people. Just not drawing me. Do you want to talk college baseball in January? Because it's not, I don't know. The only thing that grabs me from a conversational standpoint year-round without, like, a news story happening is football. Yeah. But I can't, like, if if they did the spring season, which was proposing COVID, I, I would have engaged less. Just, it would have felt out of place. I don't know. There's a specific window for all sports, and they need to stay stay in their lane. I agree you know, with this. I mean, I love really football, stops. but I can never get into like I try so hard to get into like the XFL and all that. I, I can't. It's not in the right time. Yeah, it's the wrong time. I know golf never stops. Well, um, did you see the story today about how the Saudi Public Investment Fund is using a lawsuit to, to dig dirt on uh, the I, survivors and family members of? Those who died in 9-11. So, I was, I was going to say, I, was like, I, I thought we were going to have a golf store moment today. I did not think it was going to be about an actual tournament. I, as soon as I saw that clip, I was just like, borky. I didn't put it in the notes because, you know, I know, we got quarterbacks and stuff to talk about. But, yeah, it's almost like um, the Saudis are bad people. I, I mean, who would have thought that? Certainly not me. Mm. I never would have guessed that they were willing to engage in such behavior. It's out of character. Uh, we, we can we can go to that in just a second, but I will tell you with the Mississippi tie, Mackenzie Hughes, the winner of the Sanderson Farms Championship last year, is tied for the lead at the Century Tournament of Champions in the first round. Uh, Seamus Power, who um, won in Bermuda a couple of months ago. Uh, Borky, your, your boy Sahith Tigala, is a couple of shots back as well. I, I, I'm just I, I'm trying to reel you in, and you're just you're just not interested in being reeled in. No, I don't know. This is one of those out of season events that I really really like. So anyway, uh, sports talk Mississippi with you. You mentioned quarterbacks. You said this is what we should have led the show with today, and I honestly don't disagree with you. I just felt the Demar Hamlin update was uh, topical and, and made sense there. We got quarterback stuff to talk about everywhere in Mississippi. Let's start in Oxford. Obviously, Jackson Dart is the returning starter, but Luke Altmeyer is transferring to Illinois. Kincaid Dent, not sure, went through senior day activities, could come back if he wanted to, may choose to just move on. Ole Miss desperately needs at least, at least one more scholarship quarterback, maybe two, in terms of filling out that room. Who could those guys be? Who you got, Bort? So there's two visiting this weekend, reportedly, multiple reports confirming that, and then one that they're in on that is interesting. First, as uh, proposed on this show almost exactly a month ago, Vanderbilt's Mike Wright with two years of eligibility, I believe, uh, will be visiting Ole Miss this weekend. As you guys know, was the starter at Vanderbilt, lost his job. Not the best passer in the world, if, if we're being totally honest, uh, but very good athlete, effective runner, good locker room guy 
also. Uh, he's visiting. Uh, Brady Allen is a name you're probably not familiar with. Uh, he was a 2021 signee with Purdue. He's from Indiana. Uh, former four-star quarterback, a blue-chip quarterback, went to Purdue. Uh, obviously, they had an established starter there. Jeff Brom leaves, so does he. He will also be visiting Ole Miss this weekend. Uh, so those seem more real because they're actually taking visits than Spencer Sanders, but reportedly Ole Miss has been recruiting him, and they are in on him to some degree, the Oklahoma State transfer. Which, by the way, if Arkansas has got transfer issues, which they do, so does Oklahoma State. Three of their top five leading receivers from the team hit the portal all in the same day on Tuesday, I believe is when that happened, including their starting quarterback and a bunch of other guys as well. There's an exodus happening in Stillwater. Um, and wonder- there was a team, Borky, that was eighth in the country when they went to TCU and lost in double overtime, and then it just kind of spun out of control for them the rest of the way. Wheels fell off, and then now a bunch of dudes are leaving. Something's up there. But either way, uh, Sanders has one year of eligibility left. Been a starter, has numbers, you know, people know who he is. I watched him play a lot. This year in 10 games, he threw for... A little over 2,600 yards, 17 touchdowns, 9 picks, completed 57%. Yeah, so what makes him interesting? There's so much to unpack here. We we don't have time in, in this segment. We can keep going on this. But all three are different. Mike Wright is obvious not going to start, not a capable passer, but would be a body, a capable one, and would have two years of eligibility left, if I understand it correctly, from his perspective, if he doesn't have any better options, you go to Ole Miss for a year, learn under Lane Kiffin, maybe go back in the portal, or if Dart has a good enough year to go to the NFL, maybe you can improve enough to where that's your job. Like That makes sense from his perspective, right? Mike Wright going to Ole Miss makes sense. Brady Allen going to Ole Miss also makes sense. He's got four years of eligibility left. He might as well be a high school signee. Dart's there for one more likely two years, but you know the progression tells you that you should have multiple years as a quarterback at Ole Miss should that be where you go. Makes a ton of sense. Jeff Brom left Purdue. You don't want to stay with a defensive coach there. Makes sense. Sanders going to Ole Miss, it, to me, makes no sense at all. With one year of eligibility remaining, I don't think he's better than Jackson Dart. He might think he is. I've watched him play. I don't think he is. But going to Ole Miss and risking not playing there in your final year of college would definitely be a risk. Now, if you're Ole Miss, of course you try to sign that guy. What is what is wrong with having multiple experienced quarterbacks in your quarterback room? Nothing. I, I mentioned his numbers from this year for his career. 9,500 yards passing, 67 touchdowns, 40 interceptions. That number is higher than you would like. That's a lot of experience. A lot of experience. And, and some people are like, well, that. what about Jackson Dart? Like, that that would make me mad if I were him. No, then you're not. Just like last year with Altmaier, which he proved the few, maybe one doubter wrong about that, um, Altmaier wasn't scared of competition. Jackson Dart came in, he competed. Had a chance to win the job, just didn't. If Jackson Dart's afraid of Spencer Sanders, he, he's not going to win you any meaningful football anyway. It, it's SEC football. You're going to have to compete for some stuff. Yeah. Uh, so if that hurts his feelings, then he's not your guy anyway. 
So from the Ole Miss perspective, it makes sense. But if you're Spencer Sanders, why on earth would you go to Ole Miss and compete with Jackson Dart, who, again, I think is more talented than he is when you got one year left to do it? It's interesting that he's even considering Ole Miss. Mike Wright in 2020 at Vanderbilt, very limited playing time. In 2021, he threw for a little over 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns, six picks. This year, threw for just under 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, four interceptions. Started at the beginning of the year, lost his job, ended up starting at the end of the season. And as you pointed out, Borky, he actually should have three years left, right, if he wants them? Oh, I'm not sure. I'd... Yeah, because 2020 was a gimme year for everybody that didn't count, so that means there's still a red shirt plus two more seasons if he wanted it. Think. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Doesn't get any better than this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again to Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Thursday afternoon. This week's gone by quickly. Good to be with you, Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky in the Pearl River Resort Studios. We're talking quarterbacks, and we started out with Ole Miss, and Ole Miss through the transfer portal trying to add depth at that position. Borky mentioned that Purdue's Brady Allen and Vanderbilt's Mike Wright are both scheduled to visit this weekend. And what, there's about a week left in the transfer portal window? Isn't that right? Well, they can transfer any time. So the window is open to get in it, but as long as you're in it, you can transfer whenever. The The issue is if you want to be in school by spring, you've got to enroll by the end of January at the absolute latest to participate in spring. I don't know when classes begin in Starkville. I think Ole Miss returns to school January 16th. It was later than that last year when Jackson Dart enrolled at Ole Miss. It was almost, as Borky just pointed out, the end of January. It's like the drop ad date for classes is the deadline deadline. Um, Hey, did school start back in Starkville? No, I think it's around that for for this as well because we were talking about it that uh, the, the students aren't back for this weekend's game against Ole Miss. Oh, that's right. I feel like... Maybe the schedule is a little bit different this year because I feel like in most years Mississippi State has started back with its spring semester yeah. a week before Ole Miss has, but nevertheless. Um, I don't know, maybe it starts Monday, like this coming Monday, so people will be coming back in, or I, I don't know, hey, whatever. I don't, think, I don't think that's correct. I think it's, like you said, I think it's around the 16th, 17th, okay. something like that. Well, there you go. Mississippi State is not different than Ole Miss in terms of needing to add depth at the quarterback position through the transfer portal. Obviously, Will Rogers is a scholarship quarterback returning. But Mississippi State has had two players enter the transfer portal that play that position. Sawyer Robertson and Braden Locke. Now, Mississippi State had a quarterback in this recruiting class, right? Chris Parson is in this class that will arrive. Is he an early enrollee, or will he be later? He is. He is. 
He is an early enrollee, so he'll be there for spring. All right, so that's two. But one of them just stepped onto your campus. And so you'd love to maybe have another. What do you think about transfer portal for Mississippi State at quarterback? And frankly, it's a hard question to answer before you know who the offensive coordinator is going to be. Yeah, because the the the, uh, the right offensive coordinator might necessitate a portal quarterback to give you somebody to actually run the offense. You might you get the, a guy who wants the mobility out of his quarterback and needs it for his scheme. Then Will Rogers is not your guy for that. Um, State should is definitely going to have to find somebody. You know, Borky's talking about Mike Wright as an Ole Miss. I would make a phone call, be like, "Hey, while you're in the state, I just want to come on down, swing down here. We'll we'll, we'll have a talk." Because uh, I think that would be a, a guy who, you know, if he's obviously if he's going looking at Ole Miss, he's willing just to come in and you know compete or whatever. Um, but state's going to have to get some, a couple of guys, or at least one you? guy for sure. Can, can, can I stop yeah. you just for a second? Like as an offshoot, we'll, we'll come back to adding two. So even if. Even if it's Kendall Bryles, and even if Kendall Bryles prefers a more mobile quarterback, a more physical quarterback in the run game, are you really going to set to the side a guy who has thrown for 10,000 yards in his career? I mean, I get what you're saying, but this is one of those things that, that fans do that bothers me. Like, why is it okay to talk about getting better at every other position but quarterback? Like, I understand Will Rogers and what he's done and the stats he's pulled up, but if you can get a better player, if Bryce Young said, I want to come back for another year and I want to go to Mississippi State, are you going to say no because Will Rogers has thrown for 10,000 yards? We're not talking about Will Bryce Young. Well, that's my point. There are are better quarterbacks in America than than Will Rogers. Yes, I, I, I do not dispute that. But my point remains, you have a quarterback that is closer to 11,000 career passing yards than he is 10,000, with 82 touchdowns and 24 career interceptions. I understand that those numbers are largely a function of playing in Mike Leach's offense. I get that. But that is a massive amount of production. It is. It's huge. But if you can improve, you have to improve. Or if you need a different style of quarterback... Then what are you going to do? Just just take next year off? It, you have you have to do what you have to do. It's a harsh reality. I've already said in that. I think next football. year can be. I think next year can be a big year for Mississippi State if they bring in an offensive coordinator who needs mobility out of the quarterback position, and they just leave Rodgers in there. Well, then never mind. You've you've missed your big year two cycles in a row. So we'll see what happens. They're going to get a, they got to get somebody in there because they just need a backup. You know, state state went with two scholarship quarterbacks. In 2017, and that was you know it was all year long. You were just like, gosh, and that was when you a time when Mississippi State ran the football with the quarterback 20 plus times a game with Nick Fitzgerald. But his backup was true freshman Keaton Thompson because Damian Williams and Elijah Staley and uh, Nick Tiano had all bolted once they didn't win the starting job. So State State is going to be on the lookout for a quarterback. We'll just have to find out if it's for depth or if it's for actual competition with Will Rogers. Yeah. It, there's no such thing in loyal uh, as loyalty when millions of dollars are on the line, right? I mean, it's a wins and losses business. And if Kendall Bryles is the guy, and Kendall says to Zach Arnett, "Hey, KJ would come with me," your answer is yes. Has to be yes. 
It has to be. You can't say, well, coach, for the last couple of years in a different offense, this guy threw for a bunch of yards, so we're just going to stick with him. If Bryle says, this guy's a better fit, we can win more games with this guy, your answer has to be yes. Are we sure that K.J. Jefferson is a better quarterback than Will Rogers? No, but if the people making the millions of dollars think so. I mean, statistically, yes. I mean, not in terms of you know the size of the numbers, but in terms of like advanced metrics and things like that. Yeah, he's right there, and then he adds the dimension of being able to run the football. Ceasefire text line. It's not about loyalty at all. It's about winning games. That's right. I, look, I, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you guys. I'm just kind of provoking the conversation and asking some questions. Brandon says. Let's be honest, Rodgers' numbers wouldn't have been that good if he wasn't passing 50 to 60 times a game. No, I mean, well, yes, I'm I'm aware that if you throw it 30 times a game instead of 50 times a game, you likely don't throw for as many yards. I, I get that. Um, but, but you need the body regardless. I mean, even if, let's stick to the hypothetical, Will versus KJ, if you're not sure that KJ is better but he's still going to come, you sign him. And if Will Rogers doesn't like that or is afraid of that, then he's not your guy anyway. You can't have quarterbacks afraid issue, of competition, and you need a body in the room. The big issue is if you bring in K.J. Jefferson, right? Obviously, he's coming to start. So then Will Rogers is just going into the portal, and you're just kind of back to square one. The so they need the to get a depth guy regardless of, of all this. They need another guy. Okay. Hey, I was wrong. Classes at Ole Miss begin. That's right. January 23rd? Yeah, they do the winter session thing. Got to, you got to get as much money as you can. But the guys can enroll like a week after that even. like it doesn't, right. it, it, That's not a drop-dead date. Drop-dead date's like a week later. Jackson Dart took his first class on like February 1st or something last year. Well, good I mean, grief. This year that would only be a week of class. Yeah. Yeah. Drop, uh, drop ad day is February 3rd. So that, that's the final day. How? I feel like the old man here, I don't think the spring semester started that late when I was in school. I feel like it was the second week of January. Maybe I am, but maybe I'm misremembering. As was once said in the hallowed halls of Congress, misremembering. Um, Southern Miss also, the quarterback spot. Good to go. Got to add. I mean, we talked about this. At the I need to add. Yeah. But they've got like six. I mean, I guess low hit the portal, so that's. Yeah. And Keys hit the portal, too. Yeah, that was a new addition, right? Didn't Ty, Didn't that just happen? That with happened Ty yesterday. Keys? Yesterday. Yeah, t- yeah, Ty Keys, who's so incredibly talented, but has had all kinds of trouble staying healthy. Is there any scenario where old Mr. Mississippi State takes a look at Ty Keys in the portal? As a potential backup, yeah. 
More coming up with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Ryan Brown from the first round will join us to start the 5 o'clock hour. That's coming up a little bit later, about half an hour from right now. Take a quick time out and be back with you after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, supertalk TV. Hey, Dad, I'm trying desperately to come up with a gotcha for the statement that you made about if there's a better quarterback out there than the one you've got, then absolutely you take him. And and so my gotcha that I was trying to come up, I, I was trying to look at Dak Prescott and to see if, if you would hold on to that sentiment as he was moving from the 2014 season into the 2015 season. So, is there a quarterback out there, not knowing what we know now about pro-Dak, Dak Prescott coming off a 2014 season where he had thrown for almost 3,500 yards and rushed for over 1,000. He was coming off a really good season. But... There were also like 10 quarterbacks taken in the 2016 draft before Dak Prescott. Not 10, 3, 6, 7. By the way, do you, would, you, would you like to hear the list of names of quarterbacks that were taken well, I'm, before I'm, Dak Prescott? Uh, I'm pretty familiar with it, but just to answer your question, so coming out of 2014 into 2015, Deshaun Watson is the consensus All-American. I don't know in 2014, was he, as a freshman, was that enough to make me think, okay, they should they should make that swap. Um, That's the only name Trayvon that I've Boykin? been able to come up with where I was like, yeah, tra- maybe. If Trevon Boykin had, had been interested in Mississippi State at that time, I mean, I'm interested. I would be interested in that. But, I, I mean, I have to go back and look at who the quarterbacks were across the country. Sean Watson in 2014 at Clemson threw for just shy of 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns. Yeah, that's not that's not enough to make me think. Okay, this guy's about to become one of the best quarterbacks in the country. 2015 season was a little bit different for Watson right, when he fantastic. threw for 4,135 touchdowns and rush and rush for 1,100. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's different. If he wants to come from 2015 to 2016, I'm willing to you know delay the start of the Nick Fitzgerald era. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, again, if you can improve, you should improve. Nobody gets mad when a wide receiver gets benched. Nobody gets mad when a cornerback gets benched. So, so I, answer me this question. I, I'm genuinely huh? genuinely curious. What? Why has Will Rogers never been embraced by Mississippi State fans? 
Oh, I don't. I don't agree with that though. I think he has been embraced by Mrs. Yeah, I think by and large he has. But this year, starting with the Kentucky game, people were. I mean, he hasn't played well. He hasn't played well since the Arkansas game, and that has people upset because they they think they feel, and then I think rightly that his play cost Mississippi State against Kentucky for sure. And then he was just so ineffective against Alabama and Georgia. Not a, you know, an Alabama team that everybody else was able to put points on. LSU won the West, so it's not exactly fair, but yeah. couldn't, wasn't good in that game. Couldn't do anything against them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Against the, the best teams on state schedule, he was ineffective. And then against Kentucky, not the best team on state schedule, he was also ineffective and probably cost them a win they should have had. I mean, they were a better team than Kentucky. Hmm. There's just, I mean, we, we talked I mean, about it almost every week. I mean, there were some weeks that were outliers, but and there there are some people that do similar things to what we do in this state that tried to say that people like me were wrong and the narratives were wrong, and Mississippi State definitely uh, is not an offense that gets bogged down with short passes against the better teams, but that happened. I mean, you're talking five yards per completion in some games this year. Unacceptable. Yeah, it was rough. It was rough. But, I mean, that being said, after the Arkansas game where he threw for over 400 yards and four touchdowns, I think most Mississippi State fans were ecstatic with Will Rogers and the way the offense was going. But it got bad towards the end. Then you have the Egg Bowl where he won the game, but, I mean, he had three turnovers, including a fumble that nearly gave it away. You know, people just want him, you know, they, they want Will to be, I think it's more that people want Will to be better because they like the kid. Great, great role model, great, you know, I was going to say great, great face for your program, but needs to put up the stats. David Tupelo says, I don't know any state fans that don't like and haven't embraced Will Rogers. Jason Columbus says, we like him. He just has a clear ceiling. He's as good as he's going to be. That's fair. Um, Brandon in Boonville says, has he been effective against a good team? Yeah. I would say yes. He was last year. He was this year. He just had some bad, but he's had some bad. He's been bad since the middle of October. There's not a game where you can point to Will Rogers since the Kentucky game and you just go, yeah, he played well. Here's another one. Tom Brady doesn't run. But yet, as one of the best of all time, build program around strengths, not change strengths to fit a perceived strength. Well, but you're not going to build your program or build your offense around a guy that's got one year left. I mean, that that's not right. the way it works, generally. Don't compare people to Tom Brady. <laughs> well, there's, that's the first or, or, thing. Yeah. That's fair. But but coaches do that. I mean, Browse can change his offense. Mullen has changed changed his offense. His offense in 2015 looked incredibly different than his offense in 2014. But Bruce saying asked, they need to sign a quarterback that. is not a knock on Rodgers. It's just if you can upgrade, yeah. do it. I mean, hey, I really like the way you put it. It's every other position on the field. Go get yeah. better, and, and everybody's pumped up about it. Like people are saying that Ole Miss yeah. need to get offensive line help. They they need to get offensive line help. It doesn't mean you don't like the players that are currently on the offensive line. It doesn't mean they can't become better players. 
than they currently are. I have a feeling, based on some things that I've heard lately, that a new offensive line coach is a welcome thing in that room. So it's needed. And that doesn't mean they can't be better, but every Ole Miss fan you talk to need offensive line help. They've got good pieces returning with Cedric Johnson on the defensive line and J.J. Pekees, but guess what? They need to get better there. They need to recruit over Cedric Johnson. He's been great for Ole Miss. Everybody loves Tulu Griffin at State. But if Jalen Hyatt wants to come back to school and go to Mississippi State, take him. Everybody loves Buki Watson, but if Will Anderson wants to say, never mind, I'm going to Mississippi State for a year, take him. But your question about why is quarterback the only position where it feels like you can't recruit over that, and I'm blending what you said and what Michael Borky said, the answer is simple. It's the only position where you don't run multiple guys out there throughout the course of a game with nobody batting an eye. You platoon wide receivers, you platoon right. offensive linemen, you platoon that, defensive but... linemen, you platoon linebackers and secondary players and running backs, but if you run the backup quarterback out there, well, what's wrong with the starter? No, I get that. I understand that, but at the same time, in the in the offseason, if you can improve your team at any position, you, you have to do it. You know that yeah. that that's part of your job as a coach is to get better. Well, they need bodies too. I mean, they, they need somebody in there. I mean, what they're they're a turned I mean, ankle I, away from handing the football to a true freshman. And unless he doesn't miss NFL prospect like Will Levis wanted to come. To, I'm just kidding. But seriously, I mean, it, he would be an outlier as a true freshman that would step right in and be great right away. Yeah. An extreme yeah. outlier. It doesn't happen. Old Miss is, as of this moment, a turned ankle away from giving the ball to a walk-on. And so when people say, and I don't know if it's a prevailing thought, but when people say, well, you don't want to make Jackson Dart mad, what's that going to do to his psyche if you get Spencer Sanders? Well, what's that going to do to the football team if you don't get Spencer Sanders or anybody like him and Jackson Dart turns an ankle? And I know people think that... Well, I, I've said this on podcasts and stuff or on Twitter, and people come back with, well, the walk-on they have is is not a typical walk-on. He was good in high school. And, guys, I want to tell you that good in high school does not mean SEC quarterback. Yeah. He was good in high school. I mean, I can – I can. Richard Cross was good in high school. Average. Above average. We'll give you above average. Okay. That's fair. All right. Just saying, like, I can list hundreds of, of high school players who were good in high school that wouldn't sniff the field at a G5 school, let alone an SEC school. These are elite college football players. For every Stetson Bennett, a- am I? there's hundreds of guys you've never heard of that thousands. are there to keep thousands. thousands that are there to keep rosters, GPAs up. Yep. Am I oversimplifying it? To say, if you want to have a really good to great season, you have to have a future pro at quarterback. Or you have to at least have someone that the NFL is seriously looking at drafting. No. And I'll explain why when we come back. Okay. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back.
you can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. So I asked the question before the break. Do you have to have a quarterback on your team that at the very least is being considered by NFL teams for being drafted? Not saying that you got to have a future all-pro at quarterback, but do you have, a, have to have a guy that NFL teams are at least seriously looking at to have a really good to great season? And I know that's a pretty subjective line, but you under, you, it, it, it's kind of like, what the def- definition of is is, you know it when you see it, right? Right. I-, I got you. Here we go. Is 10 wins a great season at Mississippi State? Sure. The state could have easily won 10 games with Nick Fitzgerald in 2018. Easily. But they didn't, did they? Well, they didn't, but that's not on Nick Fitzgerald. I mean, Fitzgerald, they won nine the year before. Fitzgerald, I mean, in college, if you are a run-first offense, if you have a good running quarterback, you don't have to have a great pro passer. You don't. Okay. Well, isn't Georgia your answer? Yeah, the NFL teams are looking at Stetson Bennett. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, would you be shocked line. if Stetson no. Bennett got I'm drafted? I'm sure he'll be Tom Brady. I'm sure he's the next Tom Brady and will win five Super Bowls. But No, would not be surprised I mean, if, if he makes a roster, no. Or or is picked up to be on a practice squad. I mean, Ian Book, for gosh sakes, is still on an NFL roster. So if Ian Book can stay on a roster, then buddy, Stetson Bennett can make a roster too. I would take Stetson Bennett 100 times out of 100 over Ian Book to quarterback any team. Yeah. Somebody asked on the text line, is Max Duggan a big-time NFL prospect? Not big-time, no. No, but I think he's another guy that could make a roster. Oh, Max yeah. Duggan, though, is the perfect guy. The perfect guy that you look up in 10 years and he's out there playing and starting. Yeah. It, so they over- Marshall went to a national championship game. Yeah. I mean, Greg McElroy was good or on good teams. Anyway. McElroy, McElroy, McElroy played AJ, in the NFL. They had their cup of coffee in the NFL, yeah. there's no question. How many starts? A few, right? With the Jets? Yeah. Handful. Well, I mean, the other thing to think about that is, you know, what is Greg McElroy's career like if he's not at Alabama? What's A.J. McCarron's career like? Do they get drafted if they were the quarterback at Texas Iowa. A&M and they went 10, yeah, they went, you know, 8-4 and four every year? I don't know the answer to that. Probably not. So, yes, in college, you, you, and the pros, yeah, you got to have the great quarterback 99% of the time, like Trent Dilfer, is the uh, the outlier there? But in college, you can win all the time with a, with a just a good quarterback who fits your system. So when you think about the playoff this year, CJ Stroud's a pro. Mm-hmm. JJ McCarthy is is a is a future pro. You don't yeah, think? It looks like it. I mean, he's he's not great passing the football. Max Duggan, Stetson Bennett. I mean, I think they'll be pros. Yeah, but I mean. Stroud's the only first rounder in that group. Yes, you're you're right. 
But I'm not talking about first rounders. I, I, I'm just, you know, you can't be bad there. We put it that way. You can't. You you can be bad at left guard and still win. You can't be bad across the offensive line, but at left guard you can be bad and still win. At slot receiver you can be bad and still win. At one defensive back you can be bad and still win. You can't be bad at quarterback and still win. Yeah. Blake in the Delta says Blake Sims in Alabama. I don't think he made an NFL roster. That's a, Jason that's a Columbus good says Justin Thomas at Georgia Tech beat the brakes off of Mississippi State in the Orange Bowl and was undrafted as a wide receiver. Well, they were running triple option. Yeah, it's kind of a one-off, too. Um, Colt McCoy and Chase Daniel are still playing. Yeah. Mike in Oxford McCoy says Charlie Ward, but come on, Mike. Charlie Ward had like Heisman. a decade-long career in the NBA and won a Heisman Trophy, and if he had wanted to play in the NFL, he could have. Yeah. I think. I'm pretty sure. He certainly would have made a roster, and would have, he would have been drafted. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie Ward, that guy was so athletic. He was great at Florida State. Yeah. Goodness. Was Jameis Winston still at Florida State in 2015? I need to look that up. That that 20... would be another one that to replace Dak with. Yes. 2015, he was... Yeah, because I was looking at the... No. Hold on. I don't, I don't think that's right now that I look at it. Wasn't 15 his last year at Florida State? 14 was his last year at Florida State. So it was the 2014 season, 2015 championship game when FSU won it all? No, it's the 2013 season, 2014 championship game. Okay. The next year they lost in the playoff to, to Oregon. But not with Jameis Winston. No, Jameis Winston was the quarterback. Okay. Gotcha. Five o'clock hour coming up. We'll start things off with Ryan Brown on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. This is Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoons starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, 5 o'clock hour. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Haydad, it appears that Mississippi State has failed us. I've still not seen that press release that we needed to I'll, begin. I'll make, a quick, I'll make a quick phone call and get on somebody's call. I'll, I'll call Zach and be like, hey, enough. We told him 504. That'd be good. We were uh, we were hoping, Ryan Brown, to uh, get the announcement that Kendall Bryles is going to be the next offensive coordinator at Mississippi State right around the start of the five o'clock hour for the college football fix. But we'll have to uh, we'll have to visit with you instead, which I'm thrilled to do. As always, Ryan Brown from the next round, the next round live, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Happy New Year, my friend. You too, Richard, and hey, Dan, and Borky, it's good to hear from everyone. We were actually discussing that very move on our show today. Um, 
you know, I think a lot of people just thought Steve Spurrier Jr. would just elevate to that position. But uh, Bryles will be an interesting hire. And, and the interesting thing we were discussing is on the Sam Pittman side, if you lose Odom and Bryles in the same year after what, you know, you'd have to say it was a fairly disappointing year by expectations, that's that's a big loss for Sam Pittman. Yeah, I don't know that I anticipated that we would start with Arkansas, but let's do this. Borky's been beating this drum a little <laughs> bit, going, what's going on in Fayetteville? What, what, what's happening with Arkansas? Because you, know, you, you think about it, Sam Pittman is hired, and everybody's like, eh? And then he puts that staff together, where it's Kendall Bryles is the offensive coordinator and, and Odom is the D.C. and does a nice job with the rest of the assistants. But in the last two offseasons, a bunch of transfer portal guys a year ago, 28, I think, at last count this year, and losing a defensive coordinator and potentially losing an offensive coordinator. Feels like kind of a weird situation in and around the Arkansas program right now. Yeah, and, and, you know, they weren't very good defensively either. So, you know, I know Odom has a good name from his days under Gary Pinkle and even when he was still the head coach of Missouri, but I'm just not sure – you know, how big of a loss that actually is for them. I know you hate to lose coordinators, but that one might be a good time to reset. But the Bryles loss, you know, that that was something, you know, their offense wasn't really the problem for them when they were healthy. You know, when they had Rocket Sanders healthy and, and when K.J. Jefferson was healthy, that, that was a good offense, I thought. And you just wonder, and listen, I mean, this is some of the speculation. I, I am far from having great sources with Arkansas football. But the speculation is obviously that that new style – that Bryles style of offense just never would, could match with that old school thinking that, you know, that, that a Sam Pittman would have from his years of football as an offensive line coach. I mean, I, that, I, I would say that's hard for me to believe because what did you think you were getting when you hired Kendall Bryles as offensive coordinator? I mean, you, you knew what their offense was going to be. So, I mean, if they did butt heads, maybe so, but it, it I, I don't know how you could have been surprised by that based on the track record of the Bryles family. So the idea of Kendall Bryles as offensive coordinator at Mississippi State, what do you make of that? Well, I think it's interesting. You know, um, Zach Arnett obviously taking over as, as a defensive guy. And, you know, I saw Borky tweeting about this after the, after the bowl game. What Zach Arnett did in that situation was amazing. I mean, to there's no playbook for that one, man. A sitting head coach passes away. You've still got to play a game, you know, less than a month after his death. Um, especially, you know, with the recruiting signing period coming up, uh, the transfer portal open. I thought Zach Arnett did a spectacular job. But as Borky said, the clock started as soon as that field goal went through or that scoop and score to give you the backdoor cover went through. Um, you know, <laughs> if you're into that, that kind of thing. Done, yeah, if you're in, if you keep up with those kinds of numbers. Uh, once that was done, the clock started on Zach Arnett. He's got to put his, his fingerprint on this program. And I have found it interesting that it isn't just, oh, I'm just going to keep everybody that Mike Leach had and maybe replace one guy. He looks like he's putting his fingerprint on the program. And, um, you know, a lot of people will say, well, a defensive guy, it's hard to be a defensive coordinator for that air raid offense. He's obviously going to go get a guy that maybe has a little more dedication to the run, which Bryles would. But let me tell you what, it's tough being a defensive coordinator sometime for that Bryles offense. They can get off the field quickly, either with points or with a three and out. So, you didn't exactly go to a smash mouth, slow it down, burn clock offense if you if you hire Kendall Bryles. We talked about this earlier in the week. I, I'm curious, knowing that we've still got the national championship to go, and you know, will it be an epic, an immediate, uh, an instant classic, or is it going to be a flop? Who, who knows? We'll have to wait and see on on Monday night. But the bowl season to this point, if you had to assign the bowl season in its entirety 
a letter grade. What grade would you give it? Um, so, you, you know, I would grade it on my curve, which is I have very low expectations, right? I, I view bowl games, Richard, as primarily exhibition games. Um, and I think more so now with guys that opt out, and I don't have a problem with that, by the way. I'm not one of those, oh, you know, I hate what college football is becoming. I, I've, for years, thought bowl games outside the college football playoff were largely exhibition games. Now, that's not to say it doesn't matter to the players. It doesn't matter to the fan bases and the coaches that are getting bonuses potentially from winning those games. But, you know, Mississippi State won the game, right? Yeah. Um, Ole Miss lost the game. Alabama won the game. What did that do for you? You know, you, you, what did it do for your program? It was it was a nice send-off for Alabama for Bryce Young and Will Anderson. But, you know, I, mean, I, I think too much is made of, oh, they got a lot of momentum off that bowl win going into the offseason. Or, oh, they lost that bowl game. You know, that's going to be a tough offseason. I don't, I don't really buy into that necessarily. Um, so, you know, you, I say all that to say I would grade this on a curve of, I think bowl games are largely exhibitions anyway. I'd give it a, a B. I mean, we've had some good ones. We've had some duds. I've, you know, the ones I've watched, I've been fairly entertained. I thought, you know, the, the semifinals, which I guess you would kind of separate that. It's the best semifinals day we've ever had. Yeah, Two no good doubt. semifinal games. We've never had that. Do you think your opinion of bowl games is, jaded at all by the fact that you've watched Alabama play in the playoffs so many times. You've had Auburn there a couple of times in the the same era, and and so maybe you look at it a little bit differently than it's looked at in other places? Yeah, maybe so. I just, I think it's jaded as much by the the old school people that, um, you know, that don't like expansion of the playoff. They don't like going to four teams because we've got to save the bowl system. And I've always wondered, what are we saving there? I mean, well, what are we protecting? And Nick Saban, by the way, in my state, very well-respected voice in football, obviously, has said this of himself. You know, I want to protect the bowl system. And I just, I've never really understood, why would we limit the growth of the game to protect a bowl system? And what are we protecting there, Right. Um, you know, I mean, that was one of the first things I heard about the expansion to 12 teams is, uh, you know, oh, we got to make sure the bowls get protected into this. Why? Why would you want to play playoff games at a sanitary bowl when you could play them at the L.A. Coliseum or Bryant-Denny Stadium or Vaughn Hemingway or Scott Field or any of the, you know, Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge or in Clemson, either one. You know, uh, Death Valley, I guess. It's not Tiger Stadium and Clemson's Memorial Stadium. But you get my point, right? Yeah. Why yeah, yeah. would we go away from playing those games on campus to protect the bowl system and make sure, you know, the, the Liberty Bowl survives or the Cotton Bowl survives? And along those lines, I mean, my only, and I mean only, complaint with the 12-team playoff and the way we're going to go about it to start is that those second-round games are not going to be on campus. I think the first round... Where you're, where you're going 5, 12, 6, 11, 7, yeah. 7 10, 8, okay. 9. Yeah. yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Why I can't put those yeah. numbers together doesn't make sense. It's going to be the coolest weekend of college football maybe that we've ever had. Now, I, I guess some of that's going to depend on how the games themselves play out. But those atmospheres, and, and, and we've talked about it a hundred times, a year ago... Ole Miss would have hosted a college football playoff game at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. It would have been unlike anything we've ever seen before on the Ole Miss campus. And then you're robbing the top four seeds of that opportunity the following weekend because they were better 
than the other eight teams that got in. That makes yep. no sense to me. And, and, and by the way, if, if you are someone that is, and, and people like, well, the bowls used to matter. Well, they did used to matter because we had a crappy way of picking a national <laughs> champion. I mean, the, there were days, I, I remember as a kid, New Year's Days, where numbers one, two, three, and four played in four different bowl games. Yeah. Yeah, those games mattered because any one of those teams could have won a national championship. But you know what would have been a better system? If one was playing four and two was playing three, and then the winner of that game played for the championship. And we had an actual champion, not just who, you know, 63 sports writers thought was the right team. I mean, that was a terrible way of picking a champion. So as we've developed a better way of declaring a champion, the bowl games have certainly lost significance. There's no doubt. But here's the thing. There were two bowl games, if I'm not mistaken, two bowl games that had fewer than one million viewers. Um, and I know you do some work for ESPN, Richard, and you know this well. If they're getting that kind of TV audience, those things aren't dying. Uh, ESPN is more than happy to roll out a bowl game that gets a million and a half, two million viewers in doubt. the middle of December on a, on a Thursday night. What else can they show that gets that kind of viewership? I mean, Michael Borky pointed out when we were talking earlier this morning that the Liberty Bowl, that Arkansas-Kansas game, which – featured yeah. a pair of 6-6 six and six teams on what was a work day for a lot of people and kicked off at 4 o'clock in the, out, uh, in the afternoon, outdrew Mike Krzyzewski's final game at Duke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like a Missouri and Wake Forest. That was 7-5 and five Wake Forest, 6-6 six and six Missouri. And they played like a random Thursday night during the Christmas yeah. break. Yeah, it had 3.5 million viewers. 3.5 million. Think about that. It's insane. And, we will uh, and even, continue our conversation with Ryan Brown coming up in just a second. You have to take a quick timeout. More coming up on the Farm Bureau guest line right after this. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. I need somebody in my corner, Ryan Brown. Uh, Ryan, continuing with us on the Far Bureau guest line, he is a co-host of the Next Round uh, they are based in Birmingham, but available everywhere. You can find them uh, at the nextround.com, the next round, uh, nextroundlive.com, right? That's right. Yeah. Yep, nextroundlive.com. If you want to watch, get podcasts, the whole deal. It's, uh, it's all there. Great show. Uh, I said I need someone in my corner. I brought up earlier today that the first event of the 2023 PGA Tour season is happening. I'm kind of excited about the uh, the Century Tournament of Champions at Kapalua. I, I mean, it was like crickets. Even for Borky, who's a golf guy, he's like, nope, it's not golf season yet. Are you going to watch? Will you tune in? Um, Are you excited? Well, I'm, uh, oh, 100%. Now, my daughter's got a little upper basketball practice here, uh, so i got to take her to that. But I was Are going you to show you. There's my, uh, there's my draft. No, I'm not coaching. There's my draft king squad if you want to follow along. There we go. I um, like it. I've got Scheffler, Justin Thomas, Sunjay M, Corey Connors, Aaron Wise, and Ryan Breen. Um, by the way, who's four under through nine? There's no way, Chowder. Uh, what was what was that autoplay? He's done it again. I don't he's know. Something he's on searching for scarves and found uh, found a, 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 an ad. Good job, Archers. Yes, uh, Colin Morikawa. 
currently eight under par through 15. That is a course where they can put up some numbers if the uh, if the winds blow. Oh, they can. They had some rain too, so it's going to be soft. So to answer your question, I got a DraftKings team in. So yeah, I'm excited about it. The Borky and Hey Dad can hate all they want, Richard. You and I tonight will be watching a little golf on the Golf Channel. Just Dude, feels unnatural. Me. It's like drinking eggnog in April. It just doesn't fit. Whatever. Yeah. To me, Borky's trans- probably watching some soccer game. What's the soccer game tonight, Borky? Who's playing soccer? Oh, that's a Hey Dad question. I only watch the Americans. Uh, hey Dad's the, the commie <laughs> that watches the European I, stuff. <laughs> I watched Chelsea Manchester City during this show. How'd that work out? <laughs> Not great. Mm. How are my cannons doing? Still in first. Okay, I thought so. I have uh, I have adopted a team that is running away with the EPL this year, Ryan. How many times have you watched them, though? That's the key. That, that just hey, these questions. Mario one answering, asking the questions here. Okay, and I don't yeah. need any anything from you on that. Pick the logo that I liked, and uh, they're actually the Gunners. I call them the Cannons, and uh, you know, Hey Dad is greatly chagrined by that. I think. Um, what's going on in Auburn? So they hire Hugh Freeze, puts the staff together, promises big things with the staff. It's a little maybe underwhelming. Yeah. Uh, going through this recruiting cycle, trying to kind of get things rolling. What's happening there? Yeah, I mean it's a good question, um, and and they're they're to the portal portion of the of the cycle. Uh, there was some hope among Auburn fans. Now I'm not saying that that Hugh Freeze had plans on this or that it was even a reality that Auburn might get into Grayson McCall sweepstakes when he was in the uh, transfer portal uh, coming out of Coastal Carolina, but he's chosen to go back to Coastal and exit the portal. So why you know that plan didn't work out. Why Why would he do that, or why would Auburn want him? Why did he go back to Coastal Carolina? It feels like it ended up like nobody know. really wanted him. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I was surprised. You know, they played their bowl game here in Birmingham, and I was a little surprised because he actually started that game. And, uh, you know, with Jamie Chadwell going to Liberty, replacing Hugh Freeze, I, I, I thought it was an odd move for him to go back to Coastal. But I think there were Auburn fans that felt like, you know, he would fit in very nicely in a uh, in a system run by Hugh Freeze. But to your to your question, the the staff I don't think really blew anybody away. Um, it felt like he got a lot of the old band back together. He hired, you know, some guys that's like, okay, I've you know I've heard those names. They've been around for a minute. I don't I don't know that they were exactly killing it where they were. So uh, yeah, I think the staff was a touch underwhelming. But I do think you know he did he did have a nice signing day. He saved a little bit of the recruiting class. It did not go well under Brian Harson for obvious reasons. And he mm-hmm. saved that a little bit on signing day. But now I think the transfer portal is big for him. I think Auburn fans are excited about what he might do with Robbie Ashford, but also wouldn't mind him going out and getting a quarterback of some renown out of the out of the transfer portal if that's still a possibility. So are you saying it was disingenuous when he talked about how many text messages he's gotten from coaches all over the country that wanted to come and join him on that staff? Um, I don't, uh, perhaps disingenuous, but you know, the ones he chose to hire, um, mm-hmm. didn't necessarily fit the bill of what I thought might be that type of coach that was texting him, if that's what you're asking. Who's going to play quarterback at Alabama next year? 
Most people right now, unless Alabama does something in the transfer portal, which there aren't a ton of indications that they will, would would, would say it is Ty Simpson. Okay. Um, yeah, I think Ty Simpson will be your starter. Now, Jalen Milrow was the backup, and, and for those that don't know, he's the one that played against Texas A&M when Bryce Young was out of that game. Uh, he finished the Arkansas game, and that went fine. The Texas A&M game, not so much. So Ty Simpson was the guy everyone was excited about. Um, and, you know, you just haven't seen much of him. But you didn't see a ton of Bryce Young either, to be fair. Yeah, So I, 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 I would say Ty Simpson would be your odds-on favorite to be the starter next year. And it wouldn't stun me, wouldn't stun me if Jalen Milrow were trying a different position. That would not that would not be the most shocking thing in the world to me. There's clearly a lot of athleticism there with with Jalen yeah. Milrow. You know, it, it it's funny when you think about the the evolution of the quarterback position at Alabama. When you're talking about you know Jalen Hurts trans uh, transitioning to Tua and then transitioning to Bryce Young and and all the success that's been had there. And I've heard people pretty close to the Alabama program that whisper quietly because you're afraid to really say it out loud that Ty Simpson has a chance to be as good, if not better, than any of those guys, which is an awfully big statement. Well, I think, yeah, nobody was surprised really that Tua was as good as he was. I think everyone was surprised Mac Jones was as good as he was. Oh, yeah, and then, even though people, line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he only played the one year in the COVID year. Uh, he did finish the 19 season, obviously, for um, Tua, who couldn't finish it after he got hurt at Mississippi State. Um and I think people knew Bryce Young was going to be good, but I think people are surprised maybe at the level at which he played. You could argue he's the best quarterback ever to play at Alabama, and I think it's a very valid argument. Um, so, you know, if, if Ty Simpson's anywhere in that class of Mac Jones, Tua Tagovailoa, and 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 uh, Bryce Young, Bryce Young. Uh, yeah. Alabama, yeah, Alabama has they've caught lightning in a bottle yet again. That'd be tough to do that four straight times. But to your point, that's what a lot of people think about this kid. That's that's kind of the the word on him in Alabama camp. So, Brandy, Haydad has got a little bit of a working theory, thinking forward to SEC media days next year, that we could potentially be trending toward a year where neither Alabama nor Georgia is the overall pick to win their division. Can can you get on board with that idea at all? Um, Less Georgia than Alabama. So I guess his theory, his working theory, would be LSU's the pick in the West, right? In the West. And maybe Tennessee uh, I, is the I, pick in the East. If Tennessee had Hendon Hooker coming back, maybe. Um, I just think people – so you know how – I mean, you guys know the media, so you know that they vote heavy on returning quarterback. And that sure. will help, obviously, LSU. will not help Alabama, but it won't help Tennessee either. And, and, you know, I think that's one of the fascinating ones to watch. I would assume Joe Milton is the starter, but Nico Amileva, people rave about that kid much in the same way you're talking about Ty Simpson in Alabama. Um, so I don't know. I, that would be hard for me to believe. I know Georgia will lose a lot again, including Stetson Bennett, but that would be hard for me to believe Tennessee would edge them in the voting. I could see LSU maybe edging Alabama. That wouldn't stun me, especially since they beat them on the field this year. But but Tennessee beating uh, Tennessee edging Georgia might be surprising to me. I, I don't think both of them. Maybe one of them, not both of them, though. W- would you vote for either LSU or Tennessee? No, I think I'd still vote Alabama and Georgia. Uh, and, and I kind of adopted um, a few years ago that until proven otherwise, I'm just voting Alabama first every year. Exactly. I mean, otherwise in the West now, look. 
They LSU's won. If you go the last four years, LSU and Alabama have won the West the same amount of times. Um, so you know there there is there is you could talk yourself into voting LSU, and I really wouldn't have a problem with that. I mean, I think they're going to be good next year. Now, I got a lot of faith in Brian Kelly, um, but I still I still with Alabama playing that game in Tuscaloosa, um, I still think I would go Alabama there. I think I would. I'm going to have faith in Alabama till they let me down big time. So they didn't let you down big time this year. They lost a, a kick at the horn and a game in overtime at LSU on a two-point conversion. So yeah. until Alabama just really falls in their face the way A&M did this year, I think I'll, I'll keep voting Alabama. Yeah, my, my chuckle there just briefly was the highest of highs and the lowest of lows for LSU in a, uh, in a four-year window. Uh, I, I wish yeah, I had held time for us to uh, talk about Bobby Petrino to Texas A&M. Maybe we'll do that next time. We probably can have some fun with that. Ryan Brown from uh, the next round. You can follow them online at the next uh, nextroundlive.com. You can also get them on YouTube, podcast, and uh, wherever you consume your media content. Always appreciate your time. Enjoy upward basketball practice. <laughs> All right, boys. Y'all take care. Enjoy that golf hey, Dad and Borky. Watch it tonight. No. Ryan Brown on the <laughs> Farm Bureau guest line. We'll be back. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. This needs to be our 553 bumper. One more time. I like that. You want to be a part of the conversation? You can join us on the Ceasefire text line. At Ceasefire, they're in search of the ambitious, the curious, the norm breakers, the never settlers. They love to innovate and live to make technology faster, smarter, better, and more accessible every day. You can work in the field of cutting edge technology. With one of the best mid-sized companies in the United States, that's according to Forbes. This is more than a job or a paycheck. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. Aspire to more. Go to cspire.com slash careers to apply today. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Got a couple more days of sunshine, it looks like, before the rain returns to the Magnolia State Maybe you're thinking golf at Dancing Rabbit, whether it's the Oaks or the Azaleas. You can book your tee time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Even though Michael Borky doesn't want to watch golf this time of the year, I oh, think he it. would sneak out and play yeah. on a beautiful day. Especially with the weather we've uh, we've got lately. My gosh. It, for January, yeah, chef's kiss golf weather right now. Chef's kiss two days in a row. I hear you, Michael yeah. Borky. Yesterday's was better time, but still. That's okay. Um... Mike brings this up. We need to uh, we need to talk about it just uh, a bit. So Texas A and M was at Florida last night for basketball. Game was scheduled to tip off at six p.m. Central, like immediately after we got off the air, at a seven o'clock Eastern time tip off. So Texas A and M made it to the gym, and when they got there, it was discovered at some point that they didn't have uniforms. 
the uniforms had been mistakenly left at the hotel. And Tom Hart, in his intro when they came on the air last night, said Texas A&M in Florida, uh, he said, with rush hour traffic being what it is, uniforms are still on the way to the arena, Exact Tech Arena, for Texas A&M. Ultimately, they were assessed a technical foul for not having the proper equipment to begin the game on time. (laughs) Texas A&M ended up winning last night. Is there a scenario where somebody looked at somebody else and said, you had one job? Oh, no doubt. Yes. It was somebody's job to make sure that the uniforms were loaded onto the bus for transport to the arena. Yeah. Was it Mike that Glennon failed their job and... that had to wear a Georgia Tech jersey when he was when he playing was at, at NC State? Our... I, I think it was Mike Glennon. I think that's who it was. I, I want to say it was a Virginia Tech player, though, that had to wear a Georgia Tech white jersey when they were playing at Georgia Tech, and they took Sharpie and like wrote his last name on it and put like VT logos on it and stuff like that because something happened to his jersey. Was Mike Glennon it at Virginia was Tech? Mike Glennon. Virginia Tech. He was I, at I Virginia think... Tech at the time. I think he transferred. He did play at NC State yeah. also, right? Yeah, I'm looking at the picture right here. Yeah, and, and Borky is exactly right. They took a Sharpie and wrote Glennon on the back of a white Georgia Tech jersey. Well, he's playing Georgia Tech. They blacked out the yellow jackets on the front. <laughs> wow. Had to black out Russell Athletic because Virginia Tech is not Russell Athletic, so they had to draw. Did they draw a swoosh on there? No. Yeah, they did, actually. Right next to the blacked out yellow jackets, there is a, a Virginia Tech maroon drawn on Nike swoosh on the jersey. That's uh, that's pretty crazy. Look, I want to take up a second for the equipment managers. I've been on a lot of trips with teams through the years, and those guys work, guys and gals, work their heinies off. I'm talking about, in a lot of time, ways, it's thankless. It's the equipment. It's the uniforms. It's washing and laundry and getting things ready and whatever a coach needs along the way. So I'm giving... Those guys a pass while also saying that's not a mistake that you can make. I I, I don't know yeah, how I mean, that happened. People people work hard and they have thankless jobs, but there are sometimes you make a mistake and that that's the only mistake you're allowed to make before it's time to go. The two most important things for basketball teams are the shoes and the jerseys. By the way, Sean Glennon, not Mike Glennon, uh, was four players, Cam Chancellor. And Tyrod Taylor, there's a name for you, and Brandon Flowers, all uh, Hokies, had their jerseys stolen out of the visitors' locker room the night before their game. And so they had to wear the Georgia Tech white Sharpie-colored jersey on the field and play in a game. That's a pretty good explanation, though, for why it happened, right? It was stolen. It wasn't the manager's fault. Nobody forgot their jerseys. Yeah. Right. So, so Georgia Tech That's has acceptable. to do all they can to uh, to make that right. The A and M thing. It's a little less. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're, we're good with that. Were you suggesting, hey, Dad, that the uh, the student managers, if that was their responsibility, should be fired? I'm not suggesting that, but I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. 
What what if A&M had lost that game by one? That's it's an opportunity for Buzz Williams to teach a life lesson. You know how funny that would have been? He probably would have, but that being said, if he had been like, I'm sorry, this is just not acceptable, you know, for us to not have uniforms to cut me, I, I, I could see it. Ceasefire text line I was the equipment manager for Colin Community College. I forgot the helmets. Luckily, we were playing Southwest, and I had time to get them back to McCall. I forget the helmets. Oh my gosh. Was that like, was there a truck that you were supposed to drive and you forgot to drive the truck? Like you rode with somebody else? I need more information. Yeah, we need more. All on this, this story. You forget 60 some odd helmets. I want to know the answer. Also on the ceasefire text line, you may remember several decades ago, both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. He says it's baseball. Okay. That makes more sense. Cause the baseball helmets go in the back. Both Ole Miss and Mississippi State showed up at the Egg Bowl in Jackson wearing white jerseys. A quick plane ride brought the correct color just in time to start the game. Can't remember which team it was that messed up. We still need more color on color, though, man. of the year, I'll tell you who messed up. I mean, Ole Miss and Texas Tech did it, and it's awesome. I thought that was a great look, too. I thought that the powder blue versus the red, it popped. I liked it. You can do it in the Egg Bowl, too, if State wants to pull out the black. Because, like, maroon on powder blue, I don't know how good of a look that would be, but the black on the powder blue would be excellent. It would have to be the powder blue because yeah. you can't do red. Maroon on powder blue would look all right, I think. Mike says that Derek Diamond had to wear Logan Savell's jersey at Auburn last year because Doc left his in Hammond. <laughs> okay. Wow. Good to know. You had one job. Um, we get another message. Some equipment manager is now a former equipment manager. I did it in high school. It is hard work. Appar- apparently Buzz took the fall, even though obviously it wasn't his fault. And I think he said either he has done something like that in the past or regardless, long story short, Buzz is doing the right thing. Kid's going to keep his job. It's all good. Yeah. I've been around Buzz enough he is a peculiar guy he he is cut from an entirely different cloth but i kind of think the way he came up in the game makes him suited better than some to handle a situation like that he he does care about the people in his program and you know the expectations are high but yeah just kind of felt like one where he would be like yeah he also Let's looks like lesson here Never let it happen again. Yeah. He also looks like he arrived at the arena after his Peaky Blinders audition. <laughs> I'm Billy Kimber. The vest. I'll run the races. <laughs> we fixed yeah. one of them, so I'm going to have you shot against the post. <laughs> He's serious about what he wears. Like, he, he plans everything. Like, he has the outfit planned out that he's going to wear to shoot around and then a different one that he wears to the team meal, and then he wears one outfit to the arena, has an outfit that he wears for shoot-around, and then he changes into what he's going to wear for the game. It's, like I said, he's peculiar. And he's one of just a handful of coaches in the SEC that has gone back, or never really quit wearing a coat and tie. Yeah. Does that bother you at all, that coaches have stopped doing that in basketball? Nope. 
No. Nope. It's never made sense to me. Like, I want them to be like baseball. Put on put on a jersey and shorts and just sit there and coach. <laughs> they should have to wear the full uniform. <laughs> Imagine a football coach. Imagine Zach Arnett in full pads. Kiffin in full pads. Let's so go. Stackhouse is still wearing a suit. Dennis Gate was uh, Gates was wearing a suit last night at Missouri. Buzz is still wearing a suit at Texas A and M. They may be the only three. Jans had on. Hey, no, he wore I don't a coat tie wearing somewhere. A tie. Jan, the Alabama game, he wore a coat. Uh, he had a, a sports coat. I don't know if he had on a tie though. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of, kind of appreciate the nod to professionalism, but yeah, whatever works for you. It's basketball. Be yeah. comfortable, you know. We'll wrap it up with you next. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. time with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks, as always, for being with us. You can uh, you can be part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. We always love to hear from you. Two or three stories to uh, finish up this afternoon. You remember the, uh, the brouhaha in the tunnel following the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry game? that uh, ended up having charges filed against Michigan State players. One of them was cornerback Kerry Crump. He was facing a felony charge, and that has now been dropped. He pleaded guilty to misdemeanors earlier today. The felony was dropped in a deal with prosecutors. His record will be scrubbed clean if he stays out of trouble while on probation um, one condition of the uh, the plea deal was that he send a uh, letter of apology to um, the Michigan player who was uh, who was injured, uh, Jermont Green. And you remember that Mel Tucker suspended Kari Crump, and the Big Ten has suspended him for eight games next season. I missed that somewhere along the way, so. Pretty significant punishment there, but uh, no felony on the record, which, for being honest, probably is the right decision. That was a poor decision in the moment, but I don't know that you should permanently have a felony on your record as a result. Um, also, the tweet from Michigan football today, with a statement, a non-denial denial from Jim Harbaugh turned into a uh, Twitter graphic from the University of Michigan. Borky, is this some spin? Oh, it's not even spin. It's just uh, you, you're setting yourself up for disappointment, guys. From Jim Harbaugh, I am aware of the rumors and speculation over the past few days. 
College and NFL teams have great interest in all our personnel, from players to coaches to staff, and I truly believe that is a testament to the strength of our University of Michigan football program. As I stated in December, while no one knows what the future holds, I expect that I will be enthusiastically coaching Michigan in 2023. Stop right there. There are a couple of qualifiers in that sentence. While no one knows what the future holds, I expect. Which means, as we learned back in December, despite some people's uh, pushing back, that is giving himself an out. That is what that is. It is not definitive. There are qualifiers because he wants to go to the NFL. But people won't leave him alone about it, so he says this to shut up the people that believe every word their coach says until he's not their coach anymore. Our Michigan... To get uh, off his back. Our mission as Wolverines continues, and we are preparing for the 2023 season with great passion and, and enthusiasm. As our legendary coach, Bo Schimbeckler, said, those who stay will be champions. And by the way, the tweet to go along with the, with the graphic was, it's too real to be fake. A Michigan man through and through. Until he takes I mean, the Broncos job. Do up a graphic. Hail to the victors. For me, where, I, where I copy all that and make it work for me, and then I'm going to end it with, as Colonel Sanders once said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. <sighs> hey, Dad. We've yeah. gone the entire three hours, and Kendall Bryles has still not been named the offensive coordinator at Mississippi State. What gives? It's an embarrassment. Do they not know our schedule here? This is how they treat us? This is the respect they show us? True I'm going to be extra or hard false. on Zach Arnett next year. True or false? Yeah. yeah. By the time we come on the air tomorrow, Kendall Bryles will officially have been announced as the offensive coordinator at Mississippi State. If you had just said a, a, an offensive coordinator... Oh, we'll know the one way or the other about Kendall Braz, I would have said true. Uh, we will know one way or the other by the time we come on the air tomorrow. True. Okay. You seem to believe that with great gusto. I think you're just getting to the point where you, you got to make a decision. But yeah, we need to know. Need to know one way or the other. Uh, tomorrow, and then on Monday as well, we'll spend some time talking about the national championship game, Georgia and TCU, coming up on Monday night from Southern California. Look forward to that. We've also got a Food Friday presented by Polk's Meat. Back on a Friday, coming up tomorrow. That's always fun. Think Bruce Marshall will join us. Try to talk to somebody that covers Georgia and more. Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Have a great night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.